0: to the TwBd bonus show for October 2021 I'm Scott with Kristen Kyle and John and we're here again to talk about there will be dungeons and answer your questions for the month uh thanks for your support by the way that's why this exists and if you're getting this late and you're like man that was a long time to wait well then join up on the website that there will be dungeons and you won't have to wait you'll get it when we do it all right all that put to the side let's throw it over to Kristen who has our list of questions this week Kristen
1: First question kicking it off today, while you may not have planned out this far, any thoughts on what's to come after the wrap up of the wastes campaign? Oh man
2: That's a good question yeah, That is a good question that, no I don't know if any of us have an answer to that no I, it, I don't I mean I think as a player, uh you know, I would be open to a lot of things, but I think a lot of a lot of stuff is going to depend on. You know, how are we all feeling uh, when the Delvers arc ends? You know, is this going to be, are they going to be characters we want to go back to? You know, how are we going to feel when the Waste campaign concludes? Are we going to want to change things up radically or we want to go back to something familiar and we want to stick with D&D? Like, it's it's a real point where everything will be wrapped up and you know, we could kind of do anything and I, I kind of feel open to a lot of ideas. So I, I think it's going to be an exciting thing to figure out, but we definitely haven't planned anything.
0: Yeah. And Kyle is the, you know, chief creative officer of whatever might come next possibly. I mean, you probably have ideas that are sort of stewing, right? You are just not sure when the trigger gets pulled on those ideas.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, D and D Fifth edition has been out for seven years, too. So by the time we're done with Waste, who knows what that's going to look like? Oh, like we'll we see whispers of sixth edition by then. It, it, it's, it's a long time. And a lot of uh, the audience are no, not necessarily this audience, but the consumers of D&D are kind of like, all right, what's next? What's next? You know, get, let, hook us up. I have played everything. I have played all the classes. What do you got for me? And it, it does feel like something's on the horizon, perhaps in that way.
0: Are there rumblings about six? I haven't heard much, but.
3: Yeah, in the previous editions, they basically went until everything broke and then were like, okay, I'm to fix it again, fix it, let's re- refresh everything. And with 5th edition, they did a very good job not breaking anything. But your class decisions happen mainly at 3, where you select your sort of specialization. And in that way, players get, you know, they don't have all these options and these other books they can buy to multi-class later on. And it just means things can get stale for hardcore D players
0: yeah i can see that well who knows i mean that we it's a that's a great question because obviously something something will come after but what what we don't know we don't know a lot what of story 2B? to tell still on the two things we got going so we'll see
1: yeah well to be decided then i uh, yep. did the dm intend to make the pile of poop ninja guy iron monkey was it the most op character in there will be dungeons history based off the fact that feces contains so many pathogens that someone who can survive inside of it must have the strongest immune system ever.
3: Yes. I did intend this, and this is an Easter egg of sorts for anyone who knows how monks work. So he was a level 10 monk, which means he had purity of body, which means he's immune to disease
0: and poison.
1: Hmm.
3: Well, there oh, we look know. at
0: that. Yeah. Very efficient answer. <laughs> I didn't know he was a monk. Maybe you said so, and I just didn't It never clicked.
1: Well, he
3: jumped out and went with his fist. <laughs> and
0: and, he was called and,
1: Iron <laughs> Monkey or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I, I probably kind of figured it out if I'd have thought hard about it, but yeah.
3: All the items in there were suggestive of the types of adventurers that had died and perhaps what their class had been. So like there was a shield and there was a quiver and all that sort of thing. So Iron Monkey being the survivor was a level 10 monk. In which case, uh Grinkeeper could have also survived in the pile of poo for two weeks.
1: She did put feces on herself. It's true. And she survived that. God, that's so gross. I can't believe yep. she did that. Anyway, <laughs> <next question. laughs> do you try to make guest episodes around the guests and what strengths their characters have?
0: Oh, I'm glad this is in here because we just had a guest today with Ben and... Um... It didn't, we all knew that there'd be some kind of throwback to the waste campaign, but didn't know how Was it going to be the actual character or whatever. So I would, that's a great question. I would ask the same thing of Kyle.
3: Yeah. We talked about it, uh, doing a chance thing. Uh, so when things are in the early part of the season, it's a lot more open because we're not as heavy on the story or trying to get to certain points. So like Carter's episode and Ben's episode here was basically like, okay, we're after the heart here. We're after the lungs. Like it. It's time to do these certain beats, but when we did like Bo's episode or um, Brian Dunaway's episode, those were a lot more like, "What do you want to be?" and what, "How do you want to do it?" and and Brian was just like, "I want to do a heist. I love the idea of a heist. Let's do a heist." I'm like, "Okay, cool. So let's make a rogue and let's you know kind of follow this line for for Ben's. Uh, let's see. I gave him the options of a member of the Lost Research Team, so kind of that thread from the uh, the Forest Dungeon." An elf who is trapped in the dungeon and now must escape with the party, a fellow Silver looking for justice for a slain party member, a druid cleansing the above forest, and then chance appearing through a portal.
1: <laughs> and then he went with the
3: research team.
0: <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah, the way the way guesser handles is always fascinating to me, because you are changing up the the makeup of what we're doing. Uh not fundamentally, but enough enough to just say, well, there's a new personality in the mix. So what does that do to the flow of things? Not just from a show standpoint, but just how the campaign goes and um, how they play their characters and maybe what their attitude toward role-playing is. You know, all those all those things factor. Um, and to me, from the outside, looking on the inside of what a DM has to do, that seems hard, like a challenge for you, but maybe it isn't, you know? It's
3: kind of like the, the limitations make, I forgot the who said the quote, but limitations make better art. Um, it, it, so it brings in more limitations, which means it's almost easier to decide what I'm going to do. And it, it, the, the things that I am countered by are sometimes easy fixes. So like today, there was uh, Barclays, let's see, it was called Stone Shape, where he made that hook that he put the rope around. He could have also made a doorway in a, Wall of stone that was five feet thick. So, one thing I had to do very early on is be like, These two doors and these two tunnels, these two parts of the dungeon, they're 10 feet apart. Okay, countered. We're good. Because <laughs> otherwise, Barclay could have been like, This is an interesting dungeon. What a cool idea. Two separate adventures having at the same I'm going, I'm going to make a door.
0: Yeah. yeah interesting. Huh. Well, I, I think you've handled guests really well for whatever well, Thank worth. you. Yeah. It's good stuff.
1: Uh, next question, how do the characters view the world outside of town?
0: I mean, my whole world is outside of town, so I like it better at the farm than I do in town. That is the same yeah. character does
2: <laughs> uh, i I think co is uh he's comfortable like he doesn't he doesn't really want to go outside of the town like he He thought moving to Atomer was retirement, essentially. You know, he he had a bunch of money, and he had a family, and he thought he had put, like, kind of this whole past behind him. And so it was like, yeah, this is going to be quiet, and I'm going to retire, and it's going to be perfect. And that was sort of the whole idea. So right now, I think he feels very, very attached to the town in a weird sort of way, and he kind of sees the out, like beyond the town as his past.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I feel like we still haven't smacked into your past hard enough. Like there's some, there's something coming where your, your previous deeds are going to haunt you again and we're all going to have to deal with it.
1: That'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know either. Just feels like it feels like it
1: it would be a good beat for it. Right. Yep. Some, some arc where we deal with the past yep. of characters.
0: We did that a lot with waste and, and here too, to some extent with some, some of our characters, but it just seems like it comes up a lot that he's not on the run, but you've got some stuff in your past. You're like the typical Western hero. Uh, I've done some things in the past. I'm not too proud of kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, And I feel like that's you in some ways and we just haven't explored that yet. So something's going to bite us in the butt.
3: A little bit with like the, the nasty bits with the Seder gang. Yeah. But that would definitely be like the trouble in paradise. uh, You know, getting the gang back together season two. I mean, we've had three season, but you know, part two, if we were ever to revisit this world. Right.
1: Uh, And as for Grinkeeper, she kind of used the outside world as a prison. She grew up extremely wealthy, so she's very well-traveled, but it was always to where her parents brought her and everything. So Atomer is her on her own. Her parents weren't here. They've never lived here. Uh, So this is the first place she's actually had freedom. So the outside world is a prison, and Atomer is a breath of fresh air, as it were. Uh, Another question for Ko, would One Shot take his wife and daughter far away for their safety?
2: Uh, yeah, hundred percent. He is he is completely committed to keeping his wife and daughter safe. Like he he doesn't always make the smartest decisions for that. Obviously, like being an adventurer in general is a little bit on the dangerous side. Um, but he uh, he puts that first before anything else. So if he felt like you know for some reason Atomer's gonna explode or something like that, he would he take them and leave. And, uh, he'd say, we're out of here.
1: Uh, for Splendor Belt, does the efficient see anything more than what's in front of him? Does he accurately <laughs> see what's in front of him?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, he's, he is, um, how do I put this? I've tried to think of a comparison to like a movie character or somebody that's sort of like this. I, I'll just, I'll just describe it the way I see it. I see him as somebody who has spent his entire life doing and going down the path that he was told he should go down. And that path was, you know, serve Paylor, do the things Paylor would have you do, um, be efficient at those things, hence his name, that sort of stuff. And I think he's at a point in his, in his life where, you know, think of it as somebody who has like, it's not like a crisis of faith, but you know, if you've got some a friend of yours who, you know, was super um, ambitious or 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 you know what we'll just we'll we'll make it religious because that's kind of where he comes from. But let's say they were super religious for a really long time and really proud of their faith and they you know big believer in this and that and the other, and then they have an experience or or uh, even if it's a slower decline of like oh wait maybe everything I thought was the case isn't the case maybe everything everyone taught me wasn't exactly what it really was and some of this is just people telling me what I need to hear, want to hear, or otherwise what they want me to hear. And he's, he's kind of having that right now. So he's got the power. He's got the, the favor of Paylor, unless you count some recent roles, uh, his guidance roles have been shit. Uh, so I, I don't know if Paylor's looking all that, all that happy down from wherever Paylor sits, but, um, he's struggling with that a little bit while he sees something fundamental in this farm, because it provides, it actually does something that's really meaningful that you can prove and doesn't take just faith. So the proof is I I harvest potatoes, you eat them, you survived because I was a food source for a, a poor person who, who can only subsist on very little and therefore my discount potatoes saved your life. It sounds silly and, and, and basic, but that is his thinking is like, this is a, this is a, an actionable thing I do where real difference can, can be made. And I don't have to, there's no faith involved. It's just do a thing, grow a thing, sell a thing, eat the thing. And there's something very, (coughs) very basic and down to earth like that. It's like somebody who's a lawyer and gets disenchanted with being a lawyer and wants to go back and own a farm, a sheep farm or something. Just get back to some really basic part of nature uh, where the work is just, it is what it is. And there's no you know, there's no mumbo jumbo. And I think he's, that's where he's at. Uh, for, for, for good or ill in terms of our story, I don't know, but his, that's where his mind is. And so a lot of people see that as like, Oh, he's disaffected with, you know, the faith side of it or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, he kind of is. And he doesn't know where he wants all that to go. So he's not really letting go of all of that yet, but he is suffering some of the effects of, of the questioning of it. And, the the prioritization of other things in his life as as some lucky roles a little bit of rng but also story story beats like you know ben coming in with huge devotion to his deity and kind of a big smile on his dumb turtle face uh super stoked about everything his god tells him to do and and i'm over here kind of going or me as in splendor Bells, just like well i don't know if it's all that great and also why is your god so great maybe mine's not all everyone was cracked up to being, gosh dang it, I wish I could just grow some potatoes. Like there's just, there's, there's that thing about him that I've had a lot of fun exploring. And I think some people see it as short sightedness or whatever, but he's just not, he is not your typical cleric. I guess that's probably the, the summation of what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the next one would be for Grinkeeper. I think Grinkeeper knows who and what she is, but does she know how strong? Uh, that's kind of been tied in with her being stupid, right? Because if you look at the base stats of Paladins, if you kind of mid-max it as you're, you know, quote-unquote supposed to, to really kind of get the most out of your character um, damage-wise and everything, uh, intelligence and wisdom are just bottom of the barrel throw those things aside, don't even care about them. So that implies that they're pretty stupid. Uh, But that's kind of where the charm is and where that strength remains checked. Because they have enough faith in themselves that they know they're strong enough to overcome these challenges, no matter how strong they are, right? Or how dire things are seeming. But you really kind of have to be a little uh, naive in a sense, whether that's a choice you make or you actually are that naive. Uh, but then, too, you can't be bad with battle tactics, right? Because the The fun with a dumb character is that they don't impede what's going on. They say dumb things. They can act dumb. Maybe they do some stupid stuff like they're loud when they're not supposed to be. But ultimately, what they do doesn't actually put anybody in danger. So, yeah, so that's been fun. So she knows she's that strong, and she knows she can accomplish all these things. But actually, like, sitting down and realizing how much power she has she has no idea it's, to her. It's just, Oh, cool. Ah, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. I think the I, best feel, I, ever. I feel like my but.
0: character relates to the, your character because of that. They're almost, it's almost a parallel path, just kind of different roads. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you've got this, I don't know. You're like, well, I could get all caught up in the politics and machinations of what we're doing, but really I just want to go in there and slice something open and, you know, win. And right. there's something it's pure the, about that. Potato
1: yeah. farm and then uh, Gentleman Cavalier. There's there's one quest <laughs> to be done and yeah. once it's done, that's it. Yep. Uh, next question. Where does the Snake Island music come from? Would love to find this sample and poach for my own home game if you were willing to share.
3: I'll... Because they're just little, little tiny like loops. So I'll just throw it in the... I'll throw it in the Discord. Okay. Under, let's do. Um. Uh. uh well, I'll I'll do it in the in the spoilers. I'll put the files in there. It's it's like free drum beats from the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they don't have a
0: a real Googleable name in that way. Yeah. Now that's really effective though, and I thought today is like you you having something at hand for like when the bridge makes a noise or those those pressure plates make a you know, make a shift or whatever that was, it really adds to things. It used to be basically like you or, or, or Bo or whoever's got a story point. If I'm like, Oh, he just mentioned this thing and I know I've got a clip for that. So I'm going to find that real quick. And I'm pretty good at getting what I need when I need it. But having that as a, as a additional uh, thing that's happening and you know where the story's headed. So you know, when that beat needs to play or when those sounds from the pressure plates need to happen or whatever uh, it really adds to things. I like it a lot.
3: I'm, got, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun surprise too, because I get to do something that you guys aren't prepared for, or play a sound like the rats. Yeah, that even alerting you in any way to play that noise would just be spoilerific and get your brain going, because you can't help a meta game, right? So, but uh, you also play some wicked tracks. You were doing there's like this like Western song that you were playing during the Splendor Belt Vision that was like really capturing. Oh, yeah. I can't remember
0: what I chose, but I remember at the time going, oh, this is perfect for this. And I don't I don't even remember which one I used. But but yeah, like it's it is really fun to try to find the things that match what we're up to. Um, And Kyle doing these bits that he's doing from where he is and the fact that we can have it all funneled through and sound good is has been a nice treat. It's been good.
1: All right uh how long will Splendor belt be able to hold off the snake man from searching for his queen, <laughs> and why is he procrastinating?
0: <laughs> well it's gonna be as quick as I can get home um how it affects the you know Kyle's plans i I don't know but I need i I'm feeling very motivated the character's feeling very motivated right now um he feels along with what I was saying earlier about kind of his mindset he feels like his his ambitions and his lack of clerical focus has put him in a position of ill repute, even though it was just a fake dream forced on him by a spell. uh, It really stuck with him and he's not going to let that one lie. So, you know, he's going to do, you know, what day is it, boy? Why? It's Christmas Day. He's going to have the he's going to really try to have an Ebenezer Scrooge turnaround uh, based on that, you know, based on that experience. So soon, I guess as soon as I can, you know, physically get there. We're gonna deal with it. Uh,
1: and this would be two episodes ago for the party. Especially, Splunderbelt made several roles that seemed to avoid a planned combat. How would the combat have furthered the story? And what was the monster in the ooze? It's maybe three episodes ago now.
3: Yeah, this was the the heart chamber. So, uh, Splunderbelt sensed that there was evil in the slime, and he saw the 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 spine swim by. So those were known as bone claws. And they were the things that they fought inside of the bathhouse, except for there was three of them now. And they were living inside the slime pools. But when the slime got lowered, they were forced deeper in there. But what actually happened was Grinkeeper cast daylight on the boat's bow. And they can't stand the daylight. So they didn't attack her while she was submerged. However, should Splendor Belt, Carter, who was playing Goggles Granny, or Co have fallen in in their respective areas, they would have been attacked by the bone claws. So what happened is, as the slime descended down, the boat was still lit with daylight, and so daylight then bathed the entire area. So the worst thing that could have happened would have been that y'all messed up the pressure plate and the sort of Indiana Jones moment of getting the off the pedestal which would have caused all the slime to rise again since the boat has descended to the bottom it would have been completely covered by slime putting out the light and then you all would have been submerged in there with three bone claws swimming around oh, oh.
0: that Great. would have been bad and swimming would have meant like lots of disadvantage and other stuff right like that would have been bad
3: yeah you all would have been swimming there of course very apt in there in their home environment pulling you down uh, breathing like takes minutes to run out of breath takes minutes in dnd so drowning really isn't an issue but you know being attacked in total darkness uh, you know it, it could have been tough hmm.
0: that's interesting oh, yeah those things scared the hell out of me a big giant spines floating around that was effed up
1: that was pretty creepy yeah i like it uh, for kyle any chance we'll see some drow soon
3: Uh, take that as a yes. That sounds like I I think it was the last um, I think it was the last bonus show we got into. But uh, basically, the the underground civilization, both the Kalazar's faction and the Dolbluth are are drow. It's just that I love uh, Hellboy's drow. And I think that if you were underground, you would be all pale, white and ghostly. And normal drow are all dristish and kind of weird these days. So I adapted them. But essentially, these ancient elves, yeah, and they're, they're drow. But so without the spider uh, queen business going on.
0: Is that where the inspiration for those um, they even have a similar name in Skyrim? What are those called? Are they just yeah, called the Drogar? Drogar. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drogar. Same idea, that, right? Sort of. That's actually,
3: a, I think that's actually like a Norse thing. Oh, like, is it? Okay. I don't. I don't think they're zombies necessarily but they're they're a thing and they're not just Skyrim they're some something else um I've never really researched them much
0: okay yeah our 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 mutual friend builder and did a really amazing cosplay of one of those things and it's still one of the best he's ever done but I every time I hear drow I go oh wait is it like his but then Drauger, Drauger, oh, yeah so maybe there's no connection at all I made it up in my head
1: Next question, is this the final season of the Delvers? And also I was wondering if anyone else wants to be a DM. I know John has done some one-offs, but I don't think Scott or Kristen have yet.
0: Oh, hell no. I mean, I not that I would never want to in my life. <laughs> I don't it's not that I don't ever want to in my life, but I really respect that job and I think it's a lot harder than anyone gives it credit for. Um not us per se, but you know, I think people just listening or whatever probably think it sounds easy when somebody like or Kyle really pull it off and do a great job. Also, I think John's one offs were also amazing. And maybe I'm just I don't know. Maybe I'm underselling what I could be capable of. But I don't know, dude, I'd need some like off air practice of running one of those. You know, I still still grappling with like shit my cleric can do, let alone, you know, trying to run an entire campaign. I would excel on things like cool story ideas and cool settings and ways to set up, you know, cool interactions and all that. I wouldn't have trouble with that. I don't think, but I'd have to have a heftier, you know, feel for the, for the larger rule set, I think to feel better about it. But John, you did, I mean, where were you had, you know, in your headspace when you did it?
2: I mean, I was terrified. That's why I did it. Uh, It was something I, I was interested in, but I was like, Oh, I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. That seems really hard. I don't know how to do half the stuff. So I was like it it was one of those things where you know you either are afraid of it forever or you dive in with two feet you know yeah. uh, and and so I just was like no I'm do it let's do it let's learn on the fly let's do it in the worst possible scenario you can which is live for a bunch of people listening and uh, scrutinizing what you do yeah. and uh, let's just go for it and I I really liked it I mean that's the thing is as I would love to do it again I still you know when we play in the back of my head i'm still you know sitting there thinking like oh man i want to do something like that like even today when we started talking about splendor belt's fear of some supreme creature living in the underdark and Co was like yeah it's the uber dark i was like man it'd be cool to do like a a one-off that's you know the story of the uber dark or something like that and it's just that it's just a story but you play it you know and i think that sort of stuff is cool so i kind of got in the headspace of that's how i view things now and so i really want to dm again but it is a lot of work (laughs) it takes a lot of time and uh it it is not an easy job so nothing but respect for people who do it regularly how about
0: you Kristen? what would you would you want to do it
1: Oh, I'd absolutely want to try it one day. But exactly like John was saying, uh, watching Kyle here, it's so time intensive to put something together for even three hours, you know. Um, And then, of course, with no experience, that's all of the trappings that come with something new. So that extends the time you'd need to prepare it. Uh, And right now... I am momming a very young and active boy, so I simply just don't have the time capacity. Sure. But as they get older, it takes less time. So in the future, maybe.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and I, like I said, I'm not saying no, but I'd, I don't know. We'd have to. There's so much about it that sounds exciting, but I'd have to. I don't know. I just well, I'd, I'd be so nervous about it.
3: And we do. We do what one eight minute break like uh, then that's not really for. The DM. Uh, that's just to, you know, be human. Yeah. Uh real D with people. First of all, you can have more than one conversation at the same time because everyone's in a room together. So there's no keep the airwaves open. Right. And you would be way more sandboxy, a little more like what Bo's campaign was mm-hmm. for your first DM session. Yeah. And then if you got lost or rules got confused, you just say, Go order pizza. Or hey, everyone hang out. Or well, what what the heck is this? And you go look at a book. There's no There's no stress to perform or to keep the ball rolling for a show format, particularly with the hour constraints. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think Scott, you'd be an amazing DM, but I'd love for you to have that at home real person time experience first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I, if I do one of those, maybe I could then approach it. It is the show aspect that, that worries me. And it's funny because people would say, Scott, you do like a million shows all day, every day. What's why is this different? Well, I don't know (laughs) because it's a big,
1: it's a story and rules and you're
0: trying to maintain all the juggle, all these balls and, 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 and you need to do it in real time and keep it interesting for a live audience. And that's just trickier than, you know, I, I, I would, you could tell me tomorrow that, you know, I don't know. I I got an interview with, uh, it doesn't matter who the guy plays Thor. It doesn't matter. Chris Hemsworth suddenly going to be on a show and I'd go, sweet, got it. I'm good. Let's do it. When? What time? Does any questions ahead of time? Like I would not even balk at that. Wouldn't even hesitate. And some people hear that and go, that's terrifying. But not to me. What's terrifying to me is making this a good time for everybody around the table and everybody watching. That scares me. And I don't know why it's different, but it is. So hats off to John and then, of course, Kyle and and Bo and anyone else who does it on the regular. Because I just I think it seems harder. It's probably harder than I. It's probably both harder than I think it is and easier than I think it is in some ways. But maybe one day I'll get around to it.
2: Well, you also have the added wrinkle of you do a lot for this show. Like you, you run soundboards and you run music and you run all this stuff. And so you are, you would be trying to manage the show and manage your first time being a DM yeah. and managing all the things that come with that, and you know managing your players. And I, I think it's asking a lot of you on a show format to learn it. Yeah. Not to say that it couldn't be done. Yeah. But it would be taking on uh, probably more responsibility than would be fun. One to, thing to you do. could
0: do like is I could see myself writing up a, a plan, a, a scenario, uh, basically a module that it has all the pieces and then someone else hosting it. Like you would Ravenloft or something else, you know, like a separate module you didn't create yourself. Like I could see that happening sooner than later. Um, So maybe I'm not saying no, I'm just saying, I'm saying, I don't know. We got this potato farm to work out. I got to get that worked out first. Everything comes after potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have time for
1: one more question? Yeah, we can do one more. Cool. I started listening in spring 2019 and finally caught up just in time to watch the Delvers season two finale live. So many questions, but I'll stick to this one for now. Did you all have other ideas for your hero names or were you settled on the ones you chose? I couldn't believe Splendor Belt didn't go for face mace. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> what, like our, our new names, like the... Like John's one like shot and efficient, all that.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean,
0: I, um, no, efficient sounded right to me for whatever reason. I don't know. It just sounded right. And one shot has proved to be right. Like whether John meant it to or not, he's like one I, shot.
2: Well, yeah. When I, when I picked one shot, I thought, okay, one of two things happens. I pick this because of his history. And then that's it for me rolling that twenties in this game. Yep. Or it goes the other way, and I live up to the name, and it becomes predictive, and it becomes this, you know, like, oh, man, how do you know? Badass, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) And uh, But I did not have a plan. Like, going in, I was probably going to go with, um, Kyle suggested a bunch of stuff, and I think some of the stuff Kyle suggested, you know, through the other characters, uh, was stuff that I was thinking. I was thinking along those lines, you know, like... Nightblade, or you know side or you know stuff like that yeah. um the ones that i had written down uh the day of the show uh, i'm just looking at my notes here um i had co the cutlass uh or just calling him cutlass because you know his weapons don't leave a mark um I wrote oh na- cutlass yeah yeah was I was like, like oh it's like, a, a, it's a, like good... a pirate
0: weapon is what I thought you meant there for a second like the cutlass yeah. you know
2: I had forger which was based on his history but he doesn't do it a whole lot so it didn't make a lot of sense um I also wrote natural but I don't think that was actually a nickname I don't know why I wrote that down <laughs> go but, to the natural yeah I I don't know. The, but uh you should know done, why that's
0: on there you should have done the what was the second one the um oh, you just forger. said it yeah the forger you should have done that because that's always fun in town when uh when you get stopped by you know the authorities okay. and they ask who you are oh i'm co the okay. forger that, yeah. that, that usually can i see
2: your paperwork right? i'm yeah. the forger yeah i'm are the, are the forger you believe it uh yeah it's like <laughs> yeah, my name's criminal yeah, please, my name is uh, my name is Criminal. Don't thro- stereotype me. I would appreciate it. Crim- uh, I also criminal. had Cutlass end. Like there was a lot of stuff like that. Cutlass. Uh, I think Bloodless was one of them. Like it was a lot of stuff dealing with the nature of his psychic blades not leaving a, a wound. And then um, I don't know what inspired it, but I was just like, well, you know, the, we run this campaign. You know, Kyle's always said we run this campaign like a series of one shots, and I thought naming him one shot because he's killed so many things just with a single strike was a very clever nod to this campaign and also to how he plays. And then it ended up being really predictive and kind of the perfect name for him. Yeah. How
0: about Grinkeeper?
1: keeper? Uh, it felt like trying to come up with something cool for an improv game that and you've never done improv before so you're sitting there nervously looking around <laughs> trying to oh man i hope this is cool enough <laughs>
2: uh,
1: defender there we go
2: because yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Greenkeeper is more of her nickname than the one uh chosen for Silver yeah i was gonna Ring. say
0: she's already got a nickname and now she's got a further one
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, she's not good at it. Jumping Jenny, I think, was the one she made <laughs> up for the satyrs. So she's not good at them.
0: Uh, I like jumping Jenny. All right. Well, I think that does cover it for uh, today's uh, today's questions. You guys did great uh, with those. Please keep them coming and um, get them in for next month, or for next month's uh, discussion, which I can't believe is November. That I can't believe that word just came out of my mouth. How's November next month? what the what the frick anyway uh get them in because we'd like to read them and they'll be part of this deal and we'd love to get it to you that's gonna do it thanks everybody for listening from me from kyle from kristen from john we'll see you next time